Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 349, and today we are talking about books being released on February 15th, 2022, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Tears of Price, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Tears hello. Hello, Liberty. How's it going? All right, you know, just, it's Friday, we're holding on for the weekend, it's one yes. of the, been one of those weeks. Yes, it certainly has. I have the start of a migraine, unfortunately, so I don't think this is going to be a very long show because I apologize in advance, but I need to go back to bed. Just sort of came on before we started recording, and I'm going to power through because I love to tell you about books, but really, I just want to go to bed. (laughs) Um, But I mean, it's we're like in the middle of February now already. I know. How is that possible? It's so strange to me. It's like every year I get these big lists together getting ready for the next year. And I see these books that like sit in like January and February, you know, waiting for the next year. Like I'm going to talk about those. And then all of a sudden it's like they're here. They're just flying at me like one of those like tennis ball machines. Like boop, 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 and I can't catch mm-hmm. them all at once. But then like even though there's books the rest of the year, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, OK, you know, it's fine. Everything's fine. But for some reason, it's always those early months that I'm like, ah, these books are here. I'm like dodging them and trying to catch them and like they're all over the place. And it's just so weird to me that, you know, like there's a book I'm going to talk about today that I've been waiting to talk about for like a year and I cannot believe it's here. I've checked it twice since we started recording to make sure it actually is coming out <laughs> today. And it's it's just bananas to me. But speaking of bananas, have you been caught up in this Wordle craze? Oh, yes. Very much so. Yeah. <laughs> it's been fun. Um, yeah, I, I actually got my partner who allegedly hates word games mm-hmm. to be playing with me. So every morning, it's like the first thing we do is we go like our separate ways and we try to solve the wordle puzzle and then we come back and we compare doubts. It's been fun. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. You know, if you don't know what wordle is, if you haven't heard, it's sort of like a game where you have to you get six squares six squares five squares yeah and you six six oh okay i i can't remember anymore now that i'm trying to think about it oh well it's five it's a five letter word but you get six tries that's it okay yeah you get like five squares and you have to like figure out what the word is and like it'll tell you like if your letters are correct but they aren't in the right spot and you know and if you get it and some people can get it in like two some you know and each word is different and I have the same problem with Wordle that I have with Scrabble. Like, I'm a super impatient monster when it comes to, like, knowing the answer to things. So, like, I just want to know. <laughs> like, I watch Jeopardy and, like, I fast forward through, like, everything else that, that isn't, like, them just, like, doing the questions. Because I just want to know the questions and answers, you know. And so, if I had the patience to, like, sit and think about it, 
I would probably be much better at Wordle, but usually it's like six tries for me because I'm just like, how about this? How about this? How about this? How about this? And it's like, you already used all these letters, you know, like, are these, like, we already told you, dummy, like, these aren't in the puzzle. Like, what are you doing? And I'm just like, this is, <laughs> so yeah, maybe like I'll learn some patience with it, but I'm the same way with Scrabble. I'm like, I've got cat, you know, when I can really <laughs> yeah. spell like, you know, catheter or something, you know, I'm just like, I have cat, you know, I get very excited. <laughs> So I'm not super great at word all, but, you know, I might get better. Maybe I'll get some patience someday. It's fun to see, like, how different people approach it and their Mm -hmm. different strategies and what their starting words are and how they, you know, come back from, like, uh, I don't know, there's only, like, five letters left on the board, but that doesn't make any sense and how they kind of pull it off. Yeah, and sometimes the word, I'm like, really? That word? Like, what? Who uses that word? But... Speaking of Wordle, we have a new line of bookish Wordle-inspired merchandise. We have mugs, t-shirts, hoodies, and more. It's a temporary Book Riot campaign, so order your items now before they sell out or go away. You can go to bookriot.com slash merch to check it all out. It's super cute stuff. I really, I really like the designs. Yeah. And before we go ahead and start telling you about books... Uh, We're going to hear from a sponsor. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, now, Tears up. we're going to change it up a little bit. You're going to kick things off. Before you start, though, I do want to remind people that we now have a closed caption version of all the books. You can find it on YouTube, and there will be a link in the show notes for you to find that, as well as the link for the Wordle-inspired merchandise. All right, so take it away. All right. Thank you. So my first pick today is Bitter by Akweke Amezi. And this is kind of like a companion slash prequel to Pet, which if you're not familiar with Pet, was this National Book Award finalist a couple of years ago. It's an incredible book. I'm going to tell you about it really quickly so you can see the connection between Bitter and Pet. So Pet is about a young teen girl named Jam who lives in this sort of like utopian type city called Lucille where like all of the corruption and all of like the monsters and the bad people have been chased away and gotten rid of by these angels and that all happened before Jam was born. So she, you know, loves living where she does. It's a happy life except one day she accidentally awakens this creature that tells her that there's one more monster left in Lucille and it's up to her to help him hunt it down. So that's like the pitch for pet. If you've not read it, you know, run, don't walk, pick it up. Now, Bitter is the prequel and it is about Jam's mom, Bitter, who is living in Lucille kind of like during the reign of all the bad people and the monsters. So it is not the utopian ideal that it is in pet. Bitter has had like this really rough upbringing 
But she is happier now because she has been accepted to this special school called Eucalyptus. And Eucalyptus is the school for young people who are talented and gifted in the arts. And nobody really knows like who funds Eucalyptus or, you know, where they get their money from. But people who live there are really safe and protected from all of the horrors that happen outside the school walls. Um, so there's a lot of corruption in the city. Um, there's this um, resistance group called Asada that is protesting. There's a lot of protests in, that then result in violence in the streets because the authorities escalate violence towards Asada. And Bitter just like does not want any part of it. She would much rather just stay in Eucalyptus and work on her paintings. She doesn't understand the people who are really committed to protesting because it's scary and it doesn't seem to make much of a difference. However, Bitter must um, actually confront these feelings that she has and also face, you know, the realities of what the Asada kids go through when she inadvertently summons a creature. Um, and this creature is very terrifying. And this creature has plans of its own. So that's kind of just the pitch of bitter. It is a fantastic novel. I mean, beautifully, beautifully written. I love the world that... Um, the author creates here like they do such a good job I think of uh, how do I want to say this Pat felt very allegorical and like it was grounded in like some really good real sort of settings that felt tangible but in better that setting is kind of like elevated and I was really I don't know I hesitate to say fun to return to this world because this is you know not the perfect shiny ideal version of it but it was really powerful just to kind of read this backstory and, you know, just a beautiful and hard and heartbreaking at times book about like what it means to, you know, dream for a better world for yourself, but also like what are the costs of that? So I think that um, Akwaki Mazi just, you know, absolutely nailed this book. It is bitter and it is incredible. All right. I am excited to read that one. I did love Pet. Yeah. You'd think, like, based on TV and movies and books, that people just accidentally summon creatures all the time, you know? <laughs> but I've never done it. Neither have I. You know, I don't actually know anyone else who have done it, you know? I've spoke Latin in front of the books. Nothing happens. <laughs> but uh, moving on to something completely different, I have an excellent adult sci-fi novel that I think is going to be huge this year. The manuscript sold before it was even finished. Uh, the film rights sold, so it will be a movie soon. It's great for fans of The Martian, I think. It is called Mickey 7 by Edward Ashton. It is set in the future where people can leave Earth in spaceships. Uh, the Earth, as it is in most future places is not a good place to live. It's a bad place. And, you know, climate change has destroyed the planet. And there is a group uh, being sent out to colonize this planet called Niflheim. I think I'm saying that right. 
And Mickey is part of that crew. Um, now, they're being sent to... Sh- they hear, like, there's this amazing planet that's like Earth, and it's called Nifflime, and they, well, they call it Nifflime, and they're going to go there, and they're going to scope it out, and they're going to check out the atmosphere, and they're going to find out if humans can live on it because they can't live on Earth anymore, and so they're all going to be heroes, and it's going to be great. Now, Mickey is there. He's just a regular guy. He's on this spaceship because he is an expendable. Now, what an expendable is is if they see something that they don't know what it is, he's they're going to send Mickey over to talk to it. If they need someone to eat something to find out if it's poisonous, they're going to have Mickey do it. Because in this future world, you can upload someone's consciousness. You can make a copy of their body, like a 3D printer, and upload their consciousness into it. So basically, Mickey gets all the really horrible jobs. He gets, like, poisoned, he is attacked, he has horrible accidents, uh, and they make a new copy of him. And now, usually, they have to conscript someone for this job. But Mickey has signed on to voluntarily be the expendable on this mission for reasons that you will discover in the book. So now, at the beginning of the book, Mickey is... You guessed it, the seventh version of himself. He's Mickey Seven. And he butts heads with the guy in charge of the uh, operation, Commander Marshall. He thinks that expendables are go against nature, and he doesn't like that they have to use them, and he doesn't like Mickey, and they don't get along, and it's he's made life kind of hard for Mickey. So I'm not spoiling anything by telling you that when they get to this planet that's supposed to be this wonderful utopia, it's an icy wasteland And they're very disappointed, and they don't know what they're going to do because it's going to take them all this time to get back to Earth, and they need to try and make the best of it. So Mickey's out on this mission, and something happens. Something, like, really catastrophic, and they're quite certain that Mickey Seven is dead because nobody could have survived that. So when the rest of the crew gets back to their spaceship, they make Mickey Eight because that's what they do. They upload his consciousness into a new body and make Mickey Eight. However... Mickey Seven, not dead, survived the catastrophic Mm. thing that nobody thought was going to happen. And when he gets back to base, he's like, oh, you know, goes in his room and "Ah, there's a man in his bed because it's Mickey Eight. And now they have a problem because only one Mickey is supposed to exist at a time. Mickey Seven is certain that if Commander Marshall finds out that there are two of them, he's going to throw them both in the scrap heap and get rid of his consciousness, and he won't exist at all. So now he has to try and keep it a secret from him and his girlfriend and everyone else. Meanwhile, because there are two of them, it means they have to share everything. They only get half rations. They can't be seen at the same time. You know, they both have to work their jobs. And how long can they keep these shenanigans hidden from everyone else? It's it's really fun. It's very funny, But it's also a lot darker than I expected it to be because you read the summary and you're like, oh, this is hilarious. This guy's like, there's two of him and he's like trying to keep it secret. And they're like, it's like multiplicity. And yes, it's very funny. But, you know, it's about a man who dies a lot and not in good ways. And he wonders a lot of questions about death and life because if he's not in the same body that he was given, is he even himself anymore? Or he is he a different person? He has all these deep philosophical thoughts, and there's all these things about cloning, and there's all this stuff about the climate, and so there is a lot of, like, dark to this book. But I thought it was excellent, you know, from like, it sticks to landing, and 
it's just it's just really fun. I do want to give content warnings for uh, mentions of violence and suicide, and because he is a test subject, you know, prolonged death, I guess I should say. It is called Mickey 7, all one word, Mickey number 7, by Edward Ashton. Oh, that sounds very intriguing. It's going to be a great movie. Uh, yeah, I could see that it feels, like, very visual. Yeah. Then that's that was, like, quite the sentence. I can see that it feels very visual. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> anywho. Well, it made sense to me. <laughs> it made, yeah, it made sense in my brain. <laughs> All right. My next pick is The Chandler Legacies by Abdi Nazanian. And this is... I would say, like, it feels very YA secret history, but, you know, not quite as murdery. So this is a story of five prep school teens um, who go to this school called Chandler. It's a boarding school that has day students, but all five of the students are um, boarding students. And there's Beth, Brunson, Spence, Ramin, and Freddie. And they are all chosen to become a part of the circle, which is this like creative writing workshop that is run by one of the faculty members there who has a little bit of a reputation because she published one like groundbreaking lesbian novel in the late 70s. Um, this book takes place in 1999, by the way. Um, so it's, you know, got some nostalgic 90s vibes going for it and these five students are very different they kind of know each other you know Beth and Brunson used to be roommates but it was like disastrous and neither of them really fully understands like what the other was going through it just ended badly and Spence kind of lives this charmed life because her mom is a model and her dad's this famous movie producer Freddie is like this Olympic hopeful whom everybody kind of looks up to and he feels a lot, a lot of pressure to just be the best and succeed and actually make it to the Olympics. Otherwise, what is it all for? And finally, there's Ramin, who is Iranian and he has come to the U.S. to go to Chandler on a scholarship uh, because he is gay and it is illegal to be gay in Iran. So he actually feels like he's in a bit of danger, especially when he and his ex-boyfriend are caught um, back home. So this is kind of like his fresh start. Um, so the five of them are drawn together by this circle group, this creative writing workshop that um, not only challenges their writing skills, but like kind of forces them to dig deeper into, you know, who they are, what they experience. It's, you know, not forcing them, but encouraging them to be very vulnerable. And it also is encouraging them to form a friendship outside of, you know, their circle meetings, which is awkward because, you know, Beth and Brunson have this history there's some romantic tension between some of the characters, but they also all have some secrets that 
are actually connected to some of the darker aspects of this school. So content warning for depictions of hazing and for discussions of sexual assault. Nothing gets too graphic, but um, it is talked about and discussed. And this was just, you know, a really interesting book if you wanted to look at, I think, a very specific time period in a boarding school and, you know, all of the issues that they're facing and how it explores, you know, the ways that students can be brutal to one another, but also the ways that teachers and students sometimes see like this crossing of boundaries and teachers take advantage of students. And there's a lot of like power dynamics and um, just an exploration of like all the ways that these students can be not very nice to one another and what these five decide to do about it. So it was a very interesting book. I Again, I think like it's toting this crossover appeal for like the secret history and for Curtis Sittenfeld's prep, which I feel, um, you know, they, they have the same vibe. So that's kind of accurate. And it's set in the 90s, which I thought was a really interesting choice. So I really enjoyed this. It was a very quick read. It is The Chandler Legacies by Abdi Nazamian. Because it's set in the 90s, I bet at least one of these kids got to have a clear phone. <laughs> it's a callback from last week's episode. I'm, I'm still angry. That's hilarious. Yeah, the 90s. <laughs> yeah. I'm still mad. Also, you said The Secret History twice. Like, I don't take that lightly. I'm going to have to read this book now. I mean, it's not as dark as The Secret History, but I do feel like it does have some vibes. Like, keep in mind, I think The Secret History feels very much like an adult literary novel, and this is definitely more of, like, a YA novel, but it's interesting the way they have those parallels. I, yeah, I'm, I wouldn't necessarily say, like, oh, you must read this if you love The Secret History, but if you kind of want, like, that New England school setting, like, the five people with complex relationships that sort of develop this fast friendship, definitely read it for that. Yeah. I just read The Secret History for the 30th time because it's the it's the 30th anniversary of this year and I read it once a year. And I'm not going to spoil it for anybody, but I was, like, we all know, like, the first line, you know, they find Bunny. Yes. You know, Bunny's dead. So, but I was thinking, like, so this is set in the 80s. I mean, the book came out in 92, but the, the story takes place in the 80s. And I was thinking, like, if this was set in present day, they would have found his body immediately because they would have, like, pinged his phone. And, like, right? And that, and then they would have been like, oh, there he is, you know? And then we wouldn't have had the rest of this story, you know? And I was thinking some other things about, like, what it would be like if the secret history was set in present day. And basically, like, the story would be over in, like, a matter of, of minutes. So. Oh, totally. Because there are so many things that happen in that book that, like, if they'd had cell phones, exactly. a lot of drama could be yeah. avoided. <laughs> Which you can say about, like, everything that, you know, came out before cell phones did, you know, like. Oh, if they had just been able to, like, do that, you know? Like, I was reading a... Uh, oh, goodness, who was I? I can't remember. It might have been Elmer Leonard. An Elmer Leonard novel recently? Mm-hmm. Where, like, the detective has to, like, stop and, like, find a payphone and, like, call in and be like, this is what I've seen, like, all this stuff. And it's just like, oh, he's going to a payphone. Like, what a <laughs> pain in the butt that must have been, you know? Right. But I also, like, love reading, like, books like that before technology takes place, you know, where they have to do things like that, you know? It's like, well, I guess I'm going to have to go check on this myself because I can't just, like, call them up on the phone, you know, and stuff like that. But moving on, my next pick today I'm going to tell you about briefly is called Reclaim the Stars, 17 Tales Across Realms and Space, edited by Zoraida Cordova. 
It is 17 fantasy and sci-fi YA tales of the Latin diaspora. It has a ton of amazing authors whose names you will recognize, including Danielle Jose Older, who I feel like he just had like three books announced or like three books. He like He's so prolific now. I mean, he always has been, but I feel like even more so. I just love him. Um, Clarabelle Ortega, Mark Oshiro, who's also got a book a year now. Lillian Rivera, also just incredible. And there are princesses in space. There's a story with an enslaved woman who falls in love with a mermaid. There's a magical market. There's a family curse. These stories, can you tell I read them a long time ago and I don't remember all the details? (laughs) (laughs) They're set in space. They're set in kingdoms. They're set in haunted places. They're set, you know... After the apocalypse, they're filled with folklore and mythology, which I wrote that down and then I was like, are those the same things? So I googled our folklore and myth, and turns out it immediately autofilled on Google, so I guess I'm not the first person to ask that. And they are not the same thing, which all of you probably knew, but I was like, am I just repeating myself by saying that? Like, mythology is large, it's a large story at a large scale, whereas folklore is more, like, localized to more smaller scale but there's romance there's scary stuff there's you know it's about family and history and community and it has strong lgbtq representation Uh, you don't have to read these all at once that's what's so great they're so very different from each other Um, sometimes like i read a story collection and if it's like by one author i feel like i have to read it all at once because they have like a certain rhythm going you know but these are all by different authors they're all different things and also, oh, if you like uh, Lobazonia by Romina Garber, her story is set in that world. Um, you don't have to have read those to know that, but it's just a little bonus if you like that. Um, and they're just really fun. So again, this is an awesome way collection. It's called Reclaim the Stars, 17 Tales Across Realms and Space, edited by Zoraida Cordova, who, by the way, also has a story in the collection because, of course, because she's awesome. Yes, I have a copy of this and I started reading some of the stories the other day because they looked really amazing. And the one that I read blew me away. So, yay. Awesome. All right. So my next pick is The Paris Apartment by Lucy Foley. And if you are unfamiliar with Lucy Foley, like lately she's been publishing these like fun thrillers that are kind of like brain candy like you just pick them up and they're really easy to read and they're really quick reads so this one is set in paris it is about a young woman named jess who is um british and she um is running away from something you don't quite know what she's running away from at the beginning of the book but the book opens up with her Um, arriving in Paris on the train from London and her half-brother lives in Paris and his name is Ben. He is a reporter and he's got his life more together than she does and she's just decided to show up and be like, hey, I need a place to crash just until I can get my feet underneath me and, you know, also she's running away from something. But he doesn't know that. And he's kind of like, "Eh, it's not really a good time, but I mean, I guess you can come over. And she's kind of struggling with like some resentment because they are half siblings, but, you know, they have the same mom. They spent some time in their childhood together, but for reasons that aren't quite clear at the very beginning, 
they were taken away from their mother and they were separated in foster care. And so that is tough on them in their relationship because there's history there. But Jess shows up at his apartment, which she immediately is like, wow, this is swanky. And how the heck can he afford this? Because it is like this beautiful apartment building. It's got like its own security system. The people there are very fancy and obviously very wealthy. And her brother's not there. So she kind of has to like manipulate her way inside and get into his apartment. And she immediately notices that some things are just like weird. Like her brother's wallet is there and his keys are there. His cat is like got this big blood stain on her, but she's fine. And her brother's um, St. Christopher medal that he always wears because their mom gave them each one is there and the chain is broken. So she's immediately kind of like something suspicious is going on, but she is running away from something. So she's not willing to call the police. So she decides to start asking her na- the neighbors, and none of them want to talk to her. And in fact, they are being very, very close-lipped and kind of suspicious. So this is about just figuring out what happened to Ben. And it's also because it's a Lucy Foley novel, she does these really great like multi-narrator, multi-cast sort of deals. So you're getting like a lot of different perspectives and everybody is hiding something, there are secrets that abound. um, And it just kind of unfolds very quickly. That's why I kind of call these like brain candy thrillers, because you're constantly moving from character to character and piecing it all together. So it was really fun, especially if you, you know, want to go to Paris via this book, and you know, can't book a flight right now. Um, I really enjoyed the setting. And yeah, it was very twisty. So that is the Paris apartment, which I'm just now realizing when I originally put it on the list, it was supposed to come out February 15th, but it looks like it got bumped to February 22nd. So I'm sorry about that. Well, it'll just be more space for other books next week. It's fine. Yes. (laughs) I have to read this one. There is a book coming out in March that is set in Paris, in Paris apartments, called The Caretakers, which I love so much. And I cannot wait to talk about that one, too. But yeah, maybe I should like read this one as well to like compliment it so I cover all the Paris apartments. <laughs> all the Paris thrillers. <laughs> I was counting like last year, Paris was like the big city to mention in titles. And I still think it is. Like if you look over book titles and like what like countries and cities are mentioned the most, I feel like in novels, I feel like lately Paris is like the big one. There are so many books, Paris bookshop, you know, Paris. It's like I've never been to Paris, but. I'm sure it's lovely and uh, it's really popular for book titles. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Before I tell you about my last pick today, we are going to hear from another sponsor. All right. So I, aside from having the bad luck of getting a really bad migraine, which is, I'm kind of like slouched down on my desk now. So I'm probably talking closer to my microphone than I was. I just, I didn't have a lot of luck with the books that I picked up this week. So I'm going to tell you about a book that I really enjoyed that I read last week called The Keeper by Guadalupe Garcia McCall. It is a middle grade, well, it's a mystery, but it's also super scary and it's really fun. Um, It's about a young man named Jack. He's 12 and he has a 10-year-old sister named Ava and they are moving or they have just moved from Texas where her parents met uh, very near the border uh, to Oregon because their mother 
is going to be a professor at a school there. And she's the first one in her family to get a PhD. And it's all very exciting for her. And they're trying to be supportive. Jack is trying to, you know, be supportive for his mom. But he hates that they've moved. He wants to go back to Texas. It rains 143 days out of the year in this town. He's already looked it up. He knows it. He misses his friends. His Ida, his grandmother, has just passed away a few months ago. And he misses her. He watches these videos of her stories that... She told him before she died, and he's miserable. Now, another thing that you need to know is that Jack and Ava really like to play practical jokes on one another. Like, do, like, really silly things to, like, scare each other or just, like, mess with one another. Like, Ava puts salt in his hot chocolate instead of when he thinks it's sugar, like, stuff like that. But also, like... They've been getting a little meaner because they have a dog named Baxter who is supposed to be Ava's dog, but he likes Jack better, and Ava thinks that Jack did it on purpose, and so she, and she's also, you know, obviously stressed out about the move, and so things have been, like, heating up between them, and their parents are like, you two really need to knock it off, like, you need to stop with the practical jokes, but they keep going, and they get in trouble, and Jack has his phone taken away, and, like, so, but they also, like, go out in the neighborhood and they meet some kids. Jack is amazing at baseball, and so this baseball team that they're watching, they want him to play for them, and they make some new friends. But the other thing is that one day Jack comes home, and his bedroom window is open, and there's a letter sitting on his desk that is addressed to him, and it's a letter that says that, that it addresses him as young blood, and it says that he's being watched and to start behaving himself, and it's signed the keeper. And his first instinct is like, ah, this is so creepy. But then he's like, oh, of course, Ava did this. Like, this is her practical joke. But then that night, she plays a practical joke on him, and she he's like, wait, she did too? That's not fair. But he doesn't say anything about it. Then he gets another letter a few days later. The same thing, like, you know, we told you you're supposed to be being good, and, you know, I hope, like, we get to meet soon, and re- refers to him as young blood, and signed the keeper. And so he's like, okay, this isn't funny anymore. This is really creepy. And so when he shows it to Ava, she's like, I did not write that. And he believes her, so they show their parents. But of course, you know, they play all these practical jokes. They don't believe Jack. They don't believe that he didn't write these. And so, like most kids in books and movies, in in which I would never, ever, ever do this, uh, they decide to find out who the keeper is. Me, I'd be like, all right, I'm, I'm moving <laughs> to the North Pole. See you later. But Ava and Jack decide to figure out who the keeper is. They investigate for themselves. They discover that in their neighborhood, there has been a history of missing children over many, many years. And they're going to find out why. And... It's scary! Like, I really enjoyed that this one doesn't, like, talk down to young readers. It is a middle grade book, but it's very intense, and it leans into the scares. You know, like I said, someone gets into Jack's bedroom and, like, leaves a letter on his desk, and it's scary. It's like Lois Duncan scary. And now... It, and it is fun. It's 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 very silly. Like, the practical jokes are very silly. Some of the things that happen are very silly to, like, take the edge off the scary stuff. But there is some very intense stuff that happens at the end um, when they find out, like, who is responsible for this. And here's, here's something else fun about it. This is based on a true story, according to the 
blurb. I couldn't find, like, in the galley that I read, the author doesn't say, like, this is where I heard about the story or this is what it's based on. But in the blurb for the book, it says that this is based on true events that happened, um, which makes it even creepier. So, like I said, you know, it is for middle grade, but, you know, intense things happen, including, like, someone getting into someone's bedroom. And, you know, so if that kind of stuff scares you, if you want this for, like, a little kid, you know, take that into account. If that's something that stresses them out, you know. Or if you like, if you have kids that love being scared, then this is the book for them, you know, or adults that love being scared. I was creeped out, um, you know, but I do want to give content warnings for, you know, death of a loved one, child death, mentions of child death. It doesn't, there's nothing, nothing bad happens in the book, but mentions of past child death and, you know, scares and child endangerment. So this one is The Keeper and it's by Guadalupe Garcia McCall. Oh, and I want to say one more thing, because I know this is like people, sometimes people think this is a spoiler, but I'm just going to say it. So cover your ears. Nothing happens to the dog. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I always appreciate that sort of information. So thank you. I So while you were talking about this book, I immediately was like, oh, my God, I have to read it. And then I Googled it. So apparently the true story, I think, that it's inspired by is called The Watcher. And so in 2014, a family moved into a house in New Jersey and immediately started receiving mysterious taunting letters, like, in the house from this guy who called himself the Watcher. Okay, that sounds familiar. Like, I remember that story happening. Like, maybe the author took, like, the events that take place at the end and ran with them. Like, the things that happen, like, what they discover. Because that's, like, I feel like I would have heard this story if this was actually real. But, yeah, I think, like, The Watcher, they've even made books and movies based on that before. So maybe that's it. Yeah, it happened in 2014. It's unsolved as of, you know, now, mystery. And one of the letters said that my grandfather watched the house in the 1920s. My father watched in the 1960s. Now it's my time. Why are you here? I will find out. So, like, that, I immediately was like, okay. I'm creeped out, and now I want to read that book. (laughs) I'm moving to the North Pole! (laughs) I know, I'm with you. Like, I would be like, I don't need to solve this mystery, I need to stay alive. (laughs) Right? Yeah, like that, but then again, it's just like, you know, if Bunny had a cell phone in the secret history, like, the story would be over really (laughs) fast, you know? So, I'm no fun, and everyone else is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. All right. So my final pick of the day, actually out on February 15th, 2022, um, is All the Right Reasons by Bethany Mangle. And this is a really funny YA with like some kind of beyond average day plot twists, I guess. So it is about Kara who lives with her single mom and... For the last year or so, her life has not been the best because a year ago, her father revealed that he has been cheating on her mother with this much younger woman and he wants a divorce. And so their family was split up and her dad has, you know, turned into like basically a very mean and dismissive person. Like it it was not a very nice divorce. It was quite nasty And it also meant that her mom, who had part shares in her parents' business, is really hard on money and down on her luck. And basically things are not good. And their father is being a really big jerk. And Kara really can't stand him. And she's like completely loyal to her mom. 
And after a particularly horrible day at family therapy in which all conversation failed, Kara is recording this like video diary and she has a lot of big feelings about how angry she is with her dad and her mom comes in to talk with her and comfort her and they have like this big emotional tearful moment and her mom's like oh wait are you recording this and she's like oh you know it's just my video diary I didn't mean to record it so she stops the recording and she accidentally uploads it to the internet where it goes viral. Um, mostly because her mom is like really hot and people are like kind of making fun of her for being the crybaby. And it's really embarrassing and awful. And she immediately deletes it and feels even, you know, worse now that she's like aired her family's dirty laundry, basically. Um, but what comes of it is that a reality show sees the video and then decides that her mom would be like the perfect fit for this like bachelorette style reality TV show that they're shooting and which um, single parents are on this dating show and they, you know, kind of look at it as like not just people dating, but like you've got kids, are your kids going to get along, you know, a whole family type of single parent dating show. And at first, Kara and her mom were like, that seems a little weird, but the money is really good. And it also is like a distraction from the fact that Kara's dad is being a total jerk. And so, hey, they decide why not? It'll be a free vacation to the Key West anyway. So they do it, they get there, and immediately discover that, like, being on TV and reality TV is not really reality. It is you know, manufactured for drama. And Kara is like way outside of her comfort zone, because it turns out that it's not really like a vacation. But she meets Connor and Connor is the son of a contestant. And they start flirting with each other. They have some, you know, really great moments. But like, also, he's completely off limits, because he's the son of a guy that is like potentially maybe dating her mom. So there is a lot of drama there. But then also Kara and her mom are kind of disagreeing too on like which direction her mom should be going with with the different candidates. Um, so it's kind of like this juicy, funny, um, you know, reality TV inspired book but it also has like some really you know heavy emotional family stuff because this is a family that's been through a lot and Kara especially I felt really bad for her because even though her mom is fantastic her parents just like can't seem to keep it together long enough to just offer her some stability um so I don't know I just I felt so sad for her reading that and like if you are somebody who feels like very anxious by situations in which parents are having horrible arguments and you know there's like some nasty backstabbing and stuff what and whatnot going on like maybe this isn't the book for you but I felt like Kara was a great character um, my heart went out to her. She's really funny. I really like the relationship between her and her mom. Um, and this is just kind of, you know, a fun little what if. What if you accidentally went viral, but then it turned out to land you on a reality TV show? I don't know. I can't imagine it. But that's that's where this book went. and It was fun. So All the Right Reasons by Bethany Mangle. All right. Those are our new books. What are you going to read next? 
Um, next up, I have The New Girl by Jessie Q. Sutanto, which is like a companion novel to her first um, YA book, The Obsession. So Jessie Q. Sutanto also wrote Dial A for Aunties, uh, which was like really popular. But I feel like less people know that she also has this now two YA thrillers and they're like dark academia thrillers i really liked the obsession so i'm really excited for the new girl it's different characters but it's set at the same school so that's what i'm gonna read this weekend awesome i just got my hands on a copy of just like home by sarah gailey which is about a young woman who returns to the home where her father uh, buried a bunch of bodies because he was a serial killer and her mother still lives in the house and asks her to come home and someone starts writing them notes that appear to be in her father's handwriting. It sounds very creepy. Ooh. So I'm excited for that one. I need that book. <laughs> yeah. I, I love Sarah Gailey. Yeah. Again, I would not go back to that house. No, no. No. Like, I'm very curious to find out why the mom still lives there. So. Right. <laughs> No, and not in the North Pole. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. I'm sure the house would be hard to sell if it was like the site of a serial it is true. killer. Yeah, but also I feel like there are enough weird people in the world who would be like, "No, Absolutely. I would love to live in a serial killer house." So yeah. why are you still living there? Yeah, apparently one of one of the plot lines in this book is that they're they have uh, someone renting a property out back, like the guest cottage, who is, like, stealing bits of their home to, like, sell or, like, make a profit. Oh, my gosh. Possibly, even though they say they're not doing it. That's just something I read in the blurb. But I I believe it, because it doesn't, isn't, like, the Lizzie Borden house, like, a really famous B&B now? I've stayed there. Oh, you have? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I get it. People. Yeah. People do like to capitalize on that stuff. Yeah. For better or for worse. (laughs) That, but that was, like, like, like for me, like, I've talked about it on the show before, but, like, for me, that was, like, a kind of a different thing because, like, I had so few famous people who had red hair as a child that yeah. I heard about that, like, I was, I was so fascinated by Lizzie Borden, you know, and as a child, I was, like, she didn't do it, and I was, like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. you know, um, but, like, we, yeah, we stayed there, and that was, I mean, that was with my first husband, and that was in 1999, and it was, like, $300 to stay overnight there, so I can't even imagine oh, wow. what it is now, and it was, like, people wanted to get married there on Halloween, they had, like, a five-year <gasps> waiting list, and if you wanted to get married there on the the anniversary of like the actual murders there was like a 10-year waiting list or if you just wanted to stay there on that night wow yeah so (laughs) yeah it's it's an industry for sure and it was for sale i think they sold it and it's going to continue being a and b but i don't know it's very strange because it's in fall river massachusetts and you're in this like you know 300 year old home and there's like a bus depot across the street and these like three or four story business like buildings all around you and you and it's like you feel like you're in the house yeah. from up almost because it's just so different everywhere else, you know? It's like when you see the um the pyramids mm-hmm. and the Sphinx in Egypt, you know. But then like if you see like a view of it from far away, like the city yeah. is right there. Like it's right there all around it and you don't even realize it. Like, it's amazing. All right, so moving on from my strange experiences. We're done. That's it for today. I made it. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com, which so many of you have. So many of you love the Celtics, and I'm very sad to report that my favorite player has been traded, Dennis Schroeder. I will miss him. 
If you want to find us online, you can go to Twitter. Tirza is Tirza Price. And I mostly hang out on Instagram at Franzen Comes Alive. And if you want to give us a treat, you can leave us a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. You can do that on Apple Podcasts. You can do that on Spotify. You can do that on a lot of the places that you get your podcasts. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books out today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime, happy Happy reading. reading!